Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the CSN King's Insider Podcast brought to you by Max Muscle. I am James Ham. Joining me as always on the King's Insider Podcast, Mr. Aaron Bruski of hoop-ball.com ab what's going on happy belated thanksgiving man how you doing you too i i'm doing okay i tried not to get fat that's usually my goal you know you got to fit into the slim fit slim fit suits it it, it happens i thought you're gonna go skinny jeans you know i can't wear skinny jeans man you kidding me no no i can't rock the skinny jeans well neither can i especially not after this thanksgiving i went to town I am fat. I'm just putting <laughs> it's a, it on. It's official. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm like the what's the what's the guy from uh, Globo Gym? I just went. I just ate it all. And I said, "Fatty had a funny." <laughs> oh no, that's not good, Aaron. That's not good. It's yeah. okay. I, I know how to. I know how to lose it, so I just go to town. Yeah, I'm one of those people who decided to. Okay, so typically I have two Thanksgivings. I have my mother's house and my uh, my mother-in-law's house, and so I I eat it like. One o'clock, two o'clock at my mom's house, and then I have to eat again at like five, and so I'm always like pacing myself all day. Well, typically what I do is I like overeat for like three days before and stretch my stomach out, and then I pace myself and I I eat early and I eat often, and then um, and then again I have to eat again. So this year um, I'm I'm one of those horrible people who decided to not talk politics with his family and so i avoided thanksgiving at uh, at one of the the two <laughs> events and had a much lighter day and then i found that i wasn't even that hungry when i did because i, I didn't want to go overeat anyways and and so i had like small portions although i this is uh, just like this is embarrassing people I, i'm like revealing myself right here in front of you uh i i watched one of those facebook uh like super fast like food the i what is it food porn where you're watching them do like crazy things like in like 45 seconds where they make something this was g-rated though right oh yeah 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 (laughs) and what they did was they like the your post thanksgiving leftovers what you should do with them and it was incredible you go down and you get the the little pillsbury croissants and mm. you spread mashed potatoes on them, and then you spread stuffing on them, and then you stuff turkey, you lay turkey down, and then you put cranberry sauce over the top, and then you roll them, and you throw them in the oven, and you bake them. Aaron, mm. that with the side of gravy, like a dipping side of gravy, was it was as good as Thanksgiving dinner. It was incredible. That sounds amazing, and I've had so many of those ingredients in the last four days. I swore, I swore them off. I can't have any more of that stuff. But that sounds amazing. There it is. I, I think I might have to do that. Yeah, we even went and uh, and made split pea soup out of all of the ham. I, we're not usually like reuse guys. Okay, so anyway, we got some basketball. <laughs> We've got basketball to talk about. I, I don't know how that we got like. It's a trip to fan people. It's a trip to fan. I blame it all on the trip to fan. Well, um, it, you know, it's probably because the Kings looked like they had too much turkey at their Thanksgiving. It did look that way, didn't it? I was absolutely shocked. It looked like one team was drugged by tryptophan and the other team wasn't at home and couldn't have a good, solid, you know, overindulgent Thanksgiving and didn't get the tryptophan. And uh, they probably went out to like prime rib instead. And uh, the Kings got rolled up by the Houston Rockets. Was not pretty. Wasn't pretty at all. Well, and, you know, it really wasn't pretty earlier in the evening. Um, you know, we're rec- recording this on Sunday night. The first quarter has been a bit of a problem for these guys. And so I don't know where you, you might want to start with something like this. But it's, uh, 
it's a weird little paradox that the Kings are in right now. On one hand, like I, w- I would say that tonight's win, despite being a 20 point, you know, ballpark win, 17 point win, I would give them like a C minus at best, maybe even a D plus for their effort. And then in the Houston game, where they come back and and and, and make the contest late, almost, you know, I'm I'm sitting there going, well. You know, you, you strike out that first quarter and, and, and there's actually some good that you can take from that win or probably that loss a little bit. So the Kings are in this weird position where they're actually not in a bad spot record wise. They won their first game of the road trip. All of this is good. But at the same time, there's these things where it feels like they just keep ramming their head against the wall. I agree. I agree that they're running their they're ramming their head against the wall. But I also look at sort of what Dave Yeager is trying to do and. Over the last three games, he started three different starting lineups, um, and that's something that's been sort of intriguing. He's also used Omri Caspi in two of the last three games, where he hadn't used Omri for three previous games and basically like six out of the first 12. Uh, So that's another ingredient that he's trying to mix in. I think they have a major issue with slow starts, and he's trying to figure out how to fix that. But in the meantime... I think other things have popped up that are are really intriguing. So if you go back to like the Thunder game, I thought that was a very impressive game. I thought that they were firing on all cylinders. It was one of the first times we've seen the Kings really look like they had a first unit that did okay, but then the second unit came in and was like, holy cow. And then the second, the first unit came back in and was like, okay, now they're playing. And they kind of bounced back and forth. And I was really impressed so, I mean, if we're going to look at the whole week, you know, you got to look at it as they've been, what, three, they've won three out of four. And quality wins against the Raptors, the Thunder. Uh, the Nets are not a quality win. That is not a quality basketball team. But at the same time, this Kings team in the past has stumbled against really bad teams. And they have this opportunity on this road trip where you've got the Nets, followed by the Wizards, followed by the 76ers. So three games in a row that really are against bad teams. And then you draw the Boston Celtics, who aren't playing great basketball. And then you come back to the Knicks, who are okay. You come to the Dallas Mavericks, who are like a complete hot mess. You come back to the Knicks at home. And so you have this group of games where, man, you have so much opportunity, not just to like to make up for all of the bad, to get right back to 500 and to get right back in it. And to get the first win, that's that's kind of where you got to start, right? You got to get that well, first win. And you know, we t- we haven't talked in a week, so you know, uh, back last week when we were talking, we we're talking about this homestand, how difficult it would be, and and setting expectations for what would be a good homestand, and and seeing that you know in their losses early on in that homestand, I actually thought they were playing okay, you know, not great, but getting C's, you know, in those losses, C pluses even. I think I started a grading system somewhere along the line. But they're, uh, you know, they're they're but they each loss kind of had its own, you know, little flair, if you will, where they they would either not give up at the end was probably the biggest um, commonality between those losses, and and just the fight when when really this team might have tipped over in the past, they were able to kind of keep it together. So. That happened. And then, you know, Toronto, they've got a lot of guys they can throw at DeMar DeRozan. So I think that's why they have success against that team. Uh, Oklahoma City, though, was where they kind of put their foot in the ground and, and really said, hey, you know, you know, we, we might actually go three and two in this homestand. And it was just a tiny bit disappointing, though. We'll look back at that homestand and say, hey, two and three. Nobody gave them two and three. And the the two losses were actually, you know, not that bad. So you look at that as in, in total, you go, hey, that's not bad. Now, this Houston game, to me, I think it's it's probably frustrating from an X's and O standpoint that they could have, even in the way that they lost, they could have come back at the end and made some noise. But that game was a very winnable game. And it was more of a lineup rotation issue that caused them to get out to their slow start and and even just kind of in general, I think this this issue with slow starts, that lineup now has to be examined because w- one thing you're finding some good things that have they've come out of com- with Ty Lawson coming off the bench and playing with Costa Cufos. I think you got to take that in a bottle, bottle it up and, and keep doing what you're doing there with I that. I agree. I agree. One hundred percent. Aaron Aflalo, 
to me, seems like a nicer fit for the second unit. Um, he could get a few more touches there, uh, get some action in the post. But I think let's get the elephant out right in the middle of the room right away. It's you got to play Garrett Temple starters minutes now. It, he is this is actually a really unique story because he's such a late bloomer. He's 30 years old. This doesn't happen all that hap- that often, but it does happen. He is going to he, he's going to deserve some low end defensive player of the year votes. He's playing that well on the perimeter. Um, his his size speed combo is, is right where you need it to be. He's a low usage guy. He's a ball mover. He fits with that that unit, and they desperately need athleticism. When they started that lineup tonight against the Nets, that's a really slow lineup, just physically speaking. They're they're just slow, and so I think it kind of plays into their already their the, the predisposition towards these slow starts. You got to get an energy guy on the floor, and you got you got one sitting right there. And, and and against a James Harden, you know he shut down James Harden. That is crazy with the year that James Harden is having. Harden wanted nothing to do with him, and and he got flustered even. And the minute, and this is how you know that he did a good job on Harden. The minute Harden had anybody else on him, he just went immediately to the hole or, or immediately took a shot because he's like, I don't know when that other guy is going to come back. I hate that guy. Who is that guy? Oh, Garrett Temple? I never want to play that guy ever again. And so you had that Houston game where if you win that game, I mean, you're really carrying a lot of momentum into this road trip. And a simple tweak of the lineup, I think, gets them there. And so I guess the question going forward is going to be, can they make these simple lineup changes happen? Because I think we can agree, Costa Kufos and and, and, uh, DeMarcus Cousins aren't that great together. And then making the other changes, as I've I've kind of described here, it just seems pretty obvious at this point. I hate doing this, Aaron. I absolutely hate doing it. I'm going to agree with you. I think Garrett Temple should start the two. And it's been a while since you guys have had a, a solid shooting guard. It's because, look, I think that Darren Collison, DeMarcus Cousins, Rudy Gay can carry the scoring load. And I'm also, I'm not keen on on the big starting, the two big starting. I think that just, I don't know why he went back to it against Brooklyn. That didn't make any sense, especially since Brooklyn doesn't have two bigs that they go to to start the game that you really have to fear. So it's really confused why he would do that. I mean, they start an energy guy. If you can't go in and start, you know, Matt Barnes against, against Booker, then I don't know who you would start him against. I was completely caught off guard by why he did that. I thought that he had found something and then he, he pulled back and went away from it again. Now, I also think that the power forward position probably, could use some tweaking as well. Like I'm not ready to to anoint Matt Barnes uh, a starter and stick with a lineup that includes two guys that can't really score that well in Barnes and and Garrett Temple. Um, again, people are, can think what they want, but I think if you keep having this ish- issue that you can't have you have no energy to start the game, I think I would probably put Omri in the starting lineup. Uh, even if it's for a short burst, although I do like his, his energy coming off the bench. I think he's doing a really nice job over the last two games after sitting for so long. They have a really nice lineup cooking there. Uh, and, and it, it kind of goes against Garrett Temple starting, but you know what? Jaeger's also playing him for like 15 minute stretches at a time. So who knows what's going on with that? He does that with Matt Barnes as well. He puts Matt Barnes in like when he does come off the bench, he puts him in and he leaves him in for 15 minutes. It's the weirdest thing. And you saw at the ends of, um, the Houston game and um, even like Portland, when this happened, you see Garrett Temple. He's like, you know, sucking air. He can't. He he's literally out of energy, and it's a little unfair to ask him to cover the other team's number one and do it for 15 minutes and then not get tired. Um, but they have something good going with Ty Lawson, who I'll say this, you know, and I've been as critical about Ty Lawson as anybody. I think. Yes, you um, have. You have. He is, but I've never <laughs> been. Criti- I've never been critical about his effort. And one one thing that I've always said about him during his Denver days was that he was a gamer and we were always high on Ty Lawson, Um, you know, losing his fastball or all that stuff, you know, take that into consideration. It is what it is. But playing next to Darren Collison or Garrett Temple, one or the other, with just one big on the floor 
and in particularly um, Costa Cufas. And then you can kind of throw in like Omri Caspi and Aaron Aflalo or any combination of the the three fours that, that the Kings have. And he is the, – the floor is opened up. He's, he's looked really good out there. But his, his toughness has really been impressive throughout the entire season as far as just how hard he has played. And I like what – if you just move Darren into the lineup, in the starting lineup permanently to address the slow starts – and move tied to the second unit. I like the co- the uh, the combination there, but I think we saw a little insight into what Jaeger is doing. There was a play tonight where Darren Carlson didn't know where he was supposed to go, and I think with Costa and Barnes, the, the comfort level with his system is what Jaeger is is attracted to right now. Why he's kind of going against conventional logic or even sometimes what would be obvious decisions. I think he's relying on his guys and in his system. Um, and, and he's kind of proving to be a little bit more constraining and saying, I want you guys to run my stuff than he was in Memphis. And he tried in Memphis to get those guys to run more and they pushed back on him and they basically overrode him, but they were a veteran team and they could actually do that. So uh, he backed off. And then I think in this case, what he's basically said was, hey, hey, I, I don't I, I'm going to do this my way. And so I'm not going to do the Willie Cauley Stein thing. And I'm not going to throw Darren Carlson in right away for 35 minutes because he doesn't know exactly what I want out of him. Because tonight when he I mean, he was animated on the sideline, practically running onto the court and rushing Collison from where he was supposed to be to where he needed to be. And then when he wasn't at the next spot fast enough, he was all over him again. And then a third time he was all over him and it all happened on camera. And I thought to myself, I was like, I bet you that's why Darren's not playing. And I bet you that's why I could hear him also at at times yelling at Omri. He was saying, that's right. Omri, that's where I want you. That's you could hear him through the telecast. Mm -hmm. And, and I agree with you that it, it is a little bit of him of his team of especially Caspi and Collison, both guys that miss substantial time. I mean, Caspi missed 10 days of training camp. Uh, and then Collison, of course, misses first eight games of the season and Caspi falls out of the the lineup completely. So he, he sat for like, I think it's seven games. He, he got DNP CDs. Well, although two of those games, he was actually sick. Um, so, so I get what you're saying that it, it is possible so I'll just tell you what happened on, let's see, Friday morning. So I went to shoot around, and typically we don't talk to the Kings uh, during a shoot around. It's it's a weird thing. The Kings don't like doing media availability during during shoot around, and you you can get whoever you want in pregame for the most part, including Cousins. He's usually around, but they they just kind of ixnay it. Well, I knew they were going on a trip, so I went and I went early to go talk to to. Jaeger, because I knew I'd only get Jaeger. I mean, the the Kings players like literally filed out and like, "Hey, what's up, dude?" You know, as they're walking out, all of them like, "Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going?" And then I went with a couple of Houston Rockets guys who were in town, a couple of their beat writers, and and talked to Jaeger. And I asked him, I said, "I hate to ask, but since you do have three of." the five starters from George Carl's 57 win team from a couple of years ago. And then you have another like five or six remaining Kings players that played for George Carl the last year and a half. Have you considered putting in a couple of Dave, uh, a couple of George Carl's dribble drive motion offense plays to change the pace of the game with your second unit? Uh, I'm like, I'm not saying you need to like go away from the high post. I'm just saying, have you thought about trying to just run for like three minutes with play sets that they already know so you're not teaching them new play sets? Your defense with George Carl's offensive ideas for just a short burst. And to my complete surprise, Dave Yeager was completely caught off guard by the question. It, and when I went back and and talked to the guys and the, the Houston guys, I'm like, well, that was kind of strange. And he said, man, one of the, the beat writers said, I thought that was a good question. And he's like, and I was very surprised because I've known Jaeger for a while. And he was complete. It was almost like he had not thought of it and had no answer for you. 
And that that really, to me, was very interesting because I haven't seen Jaeger have that reaction to anything. Like, he usually has an answer, and he had no answer. I I think I, I'm just getting the sense that he's just trying to layer. He's installed in, like, a football team. They install the first play, the second play, the third play, oh, the totally, fourth play, the totally. fifth play. And, and in basketball, it's similar. So you're, you're, I almost wonder if you're seeing him not want to play these guys um, in certain combinations. And really, we're just talking about Collison and, and Temple and, and where do you put Ty Lawson? Because, I mean, they started that game against Houston with Collison defending James Harden. And I know. It was, it, it was like, that's basketball 101, man. But he started 1-7 from the field. I mean, yeah, it, but that, it, but that wasn't because of calls. <laughs> but well, but the problem was that everyone else in the world was was literally, uh, you know, NBA Jam, like their hand he was on fire. Saw, he saw Collison, Harden saw Collison, and literally put his shoulder into his chest, and poor Collison had to sit there and take about three of them, and that was one play. And then by that time, when Harden started working on the perimeter, and I also thought Harden probably decided to take the first quarter off. He's taken a lot of usage over this season. And I think he said, you know what? Hey, I'm not going to be the guy because typically he just doesn't play the way that he played that night, but he the, wasn't good the whole game. He wasn't. Well, there was a couple, I mean, Garrett Temple ate him alive. And that is really strange to say because I thought James Harden this season might be the best offensive player in the NBA. Like his his size speed combo, the decisions that he's made with the ball, I mean, it's really been fun to watch. And and he's not a guy that you typically go, okay, he's really fun to watch. He's added this passing element to his game. Yes. But his he's cut. He's, I mean, he's practically uncoverable. But then here comes Garrett Temple, and he just can't get an edge on him. And so that was interesting. But the Kings just it was the classic overhelping. That the overhelping on the threes. And again, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that was lineup, yeah. it was like they were just dead in the water to begin with. So, you know, that was that was that was tough. I mean, and that's where, you know, you look at this game against Brooklyn to kind of forward this. You you go, OK, there's a slow start, you know, two through four. Aaron Aflalo, uh, Rudy Gay and Matt Barnes are not the fastest group. And then Cousins is not the fastest player. So again, especially against a team that's young with a lot of athletes that wants to run, that's playing small. I mean, it was kind of easy to see that coming. And so you just wonder, you know, you've got some real critical games. You've got a wounded Washington team that's playing terribly. That's kind of infighting, if you will. Yes. You get Philly who they're better than their record indicates. And that'll be a fun little competition between cousins and Joel Embiid. If Embiid plays. Oh, and you'll get a Nick Stauskas reunion. That'll be great. But these are huge games. If they go two and four on this this uh, road trip, the hit pieces are coming. The trade pieces are coming. I mean, you've oh, already seen the I foundation agree. laid for yeah. that. So I just wonder with Jaeger, it's like on the Temple side, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a casual fan could see that he should be on the floor 30 minutes more, 30 minutes or more per game. It's possible. You know, the thing that really strikes me, too, is that if I look at the the Memphis Grizzlies, and I know that Jaeger stuck with his veterans. I mean, we all know that he had a, a starting four that had been together for like, I don't know, what, six, seven years. He And, and then Tayshaun Prince, which he had for a, a few years as well. And so you had this group. I, I kind of believe that he was going to reassemble some of that and so that's why i believe that we've seen costa kufas for as much time as we have which i think everyone kind of sees that and then you're watching him rely heavily on matt barnes and i think what he realized with matt barnes is if you really squint you can see demarcus cousins and rudy gay as a very similar scoring combo even defensive combo to what Zach Randolph and Marcus All was, and so if you're looking at Matt Barnes, you could say, okay, he fits a role of Tayshawn Prince. He, you know, the guy who's who's out who there doing everything. Incidentally, not to jump in, but I'm going to jump in. Incidentally, ask your 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 Grizzly Nation 
what they think of the Tayshawn Prince situation at, all through his time there. Um, and, and just too much Tayshawn Prince. Um, yeah. But go, yeah, to your point, it, it, it My is, point it, is the most obvious thing that's sticking out like the biggest sore thumb in the world is that if you look at statistically Darren Collison and Mike Connolly Jr., they are almost identical statistically. And people are going to go, oh, don't compare him. And I'm like, I, I'm not comparing him. I, I'm telling you statistically. The way that they score, the way that they assist, neither of them are huge assist guys. They're both efficient players. They both you know, get in passing lanes and play. Uh, they're not like incredible defenders, but they are really good defenders for their position. They, they hit you early. But my point is that if you look at all of that, how do you not see Garrett Temple as Tony Allen? <laughs> well, he's, he's, here's the other thing about Temple. He's the fourth best. I'll even go I'm, I, like with Temple. I could make an argument. He's the third best player on this Kings team. <sighs> I have a tough time with that because hey, he, his offensive I, limitations are pretty solid. He, I mean, he. But has, you know what? He, he's shooting well. He's moving the ball well. He's making good decisions with the basketball. A lot better than I thought. I mean, he he, he has he a couple is. of those weird turnovers. But hey, everybody has turnovers. I mean, there's not a single player in the league that doesn't have turnovers. So he he there. I mean, he's almost pitching perfect games out there. You know, he's not being asked to create offensively, but he is moving the ball to the right spots. He's taking shots when they present themselves. He's making shots when they present themselves. It's hard to get on him when there's not a hole in his game at this point in time. So well, if there you're, are times where he takes bad shots. I mean, a little eh. bit, a little bit of Bobby Jackson bad shot, where you're like, "Why did you just shoot an off balance, double pump, fall away three pointer?" And you're like, "I don't know if I'll go that far. I'll say that he's aggressive to, on some plays, but I have, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in that category. I'll just say, as a clear number four, and it's not even close. He, he." <laughs> He kind of reminds me of uh, Doug Christie, and it's sort it's sort of weird. Like, well, no, I, don't I think... can see that. I can see I... him as a Doug Christie esque player. I I just I do not believe he has the same offensive acumen. He he does not have the passing skills that Christie ha Christie had. Um, he's not as reliable as a scorer. Christie could get you twenty four if you really needed it, but that wasn't his game. So, but he still got you between ten and fourteen a night. I'm speaking more like defensively what he brings. I think he's at. I think he's at that level right now. When you shut down James Harden, I'm sorry. Like, name me three other guys that can do that. No, I mean I get it that. happened. I, I do get that. There, there aren't a lot of players out there that can do anything against James Harden. I, I think the one good thing I saw against both Harden and against Westbrook and I thought I thought he did a nice and job against on, Lillard on Westbrook. and against McCollum yeah but I think against the other two they're they're completely different the thing that I saw is that he didn't foul like you kept those right. guys yes. off the line as much as possible and that's how those guys really beat you because it's how they rest it's sort of like the old Kevin Martin thing but Kevin Martin you know who just retired this week uh but Kevin Martin would do it too often where it was like, dude, no one wants to watch you shoot 17 free throws a night. We don't care that you hit like 16 of 17. We don't care. We don't want to see it anymore. But these guys do it a little bit different. You know, it's like, again, the old OJ Simpson thing. OJ Simpson, when he was running, he would, uh, he would run and he wouldn't get up after place. And he would wait until one of his teammates came over and helped him up. And it was because he was so exhausted that he needed that extra little bit of time every every play just to try to store up energy and to to sort of you know rebuild. And I, I get why these guys go at you like this, um, but that's where I think the Kings did a really nice job. I think it's why they beat Oklahoma City. Like whether Westbrook had thirty points or not, it wasn't an efficient like Westbrook esque game. I think they did a really nice job of limiting both those guys. And it's by by not biting on all the fakes, by making Westbrook beat you from with follow-away jump shots, which he tries to do, which is horrible. Um, and Harden, you know, I think Harden didn't have a great night, but at the same time, I think that was a lot of the Kings' defense. Yeah, it's it, it gives you glimpses, though. I mean, if you look, if you take away that first quarter where, you know, you had all these – 
you know, there was a Swiss Swiss cheese defense, basically. So many deficiencies to cover up that you couldn't really figure anything out. You know, they played them very tough. They, they um, you know, I don't think Oklahoma City is that great of a team right now. At least they're not playing that well. But, you know, obviously won there, beating Toronto. I mean, you're seeing glimpses of what they can be. And, and now they get Washington, John Wall, Bradley Beal. I mean, you're going to have to have Darren Carlson and, and Garrett Temple locking those two down. Uh, you got an auto porter. You got a number of guys that can match up there. And you got DeMarcus Cousins who can handle Marcin Gortat. And if Jan Mahimi gets back on the floor, Costa Kufo should be able to take care of him. So theoretically, you know, you have the matchup advantage in this game. The question I think really that, that, that this all boils down to is can the Kings finally get that perfect lineup on the floor get some continuity built in. I mean, I think we know who their starters should be. Um, you know, you throw Omri Caspi into the mix, even get a little Willie Cauley-Stein involved. I'm okay with Omri as either a starter or off the bench. And people might, again, you might say, oh, you just love Omri. And look, Wait, off the bench is great because they need willing scorers. I agree. And off the bench, if you're going to go with Ty Lawson, Aaron Aflalo, Costa Kufis, I, it really makes sense to put a runner a runner yeah, slash and, gunner at at the four and either go with rudy gay or or whatever you got to do to to sort of keep the the scoring load up high but i i think the other thing that i've seen over the first couple of games that he's actually got to play is it caspi is number one he runs his cuts harder than anyone on the team and whether he has the ball or not they aren't giving him the ball on most most times but what he's doing I've even watched him. He'll circle around Cousins, and he'll give Cousins' man like almost like an annoyance, like he's swatting at like Omri, like, get away from me. And while that happens, Cousins is able to just slide in that little bit to get a ball and go right to the rack. And I, I think it's, it is helping. It's well, there's chemistry there too. And you saw that with you know the, the DeMarcus Cousins three-point barrage in, against Houston where he, uh, you know, Omri got a ball and he could have easily shot the three, but he just kind of know he knew that Cousins was on fire and that Cousins hitting that would probably be bigger, not only just in that game, but just for, for the team as a whole. They got that chemistry. They're good buds. Um, I, I think what you're seeing here with this is there is a perfect lineup for this team. And it, it, it involves moving a flawless to the bench. It involves putting Caspi into the rotation. It involves Kufus as a backup center purely. And really, at, from there, I think you're, you're just you – know, Ty Lawson coming off the bench, obviously. Matt Barnes could start, and, and, and you could also rotate a different starter in there. If you want to move Matt Barnes in and out of the starting lineup, that's fine. But then, really, you're just sprinkling in Macklemore and Willie Cauley-Stein. And if they play well enough to earn more minutes, they they do that. But with that second unit, you can take advantage of those young guys being able to run up and down the floor. You can create kind of the slow team and the fast team, if you will. But that starting five, though, Collison, Temple, Rudy, uh, Barnes, if you want to call it that, and Cousins, that's pretty formidable. And it's I, I hate to say it, but it is actually a, a kind of a low end playoff team roster. So like an eight seed, seven seed roster. It is that, you know, this this West is not that good this year in the bottom part of the West. These teams are soft. They're 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 shallow. You know, they're not that good. And, and the Kings, if constituted correctly, can win these games. So my thing is, are they going to start playing the right guys? And, and in the right order and, and really take advantage of these six games. I mean, they could easily go five and one in this stretch. And, and I really think that they should at least go four and two. I mean, you can take the Boston game and wipe it out. But the Knicks, the Knicks, eh, the Knicks. <laughs> there's two. That's, the Knicks are on the schedule twice. But let's just call that once for the road trip. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. It they, is once for the road trip they get back in the Knicks awaiting. They have they they have guys that can cover everybody but Perzingis, so that's pretty much it. With well, that. and I think you would hope that Cousins could play Porzingis a little bit, and that that Colley Stein could play Porzingis a little bit. But at the same time, like I, I don't. I think there is. I, we're seeing sort of there is a a 
top nine with this team that make a lot of sense. And then that just, it's unfortunate, but it does for the most part mean that Willie and Ben are, are fighting for scraps. They really are. And, and I don't, I don't know at this point that I, that I would like, if I'm a coach and I look at my record and I say, you know what, I signed up to be the coach of the Sacramento Kings who won 33 games last year, knowing that if I win like 36 or 37, I'm, I'm a hero, but that's not good enough for me. I want to win 45 games because I want to keep DeMarcus Cousins happy. I might want to see if we can sway Rudy Gay into staying. You know, I want to keep these guys going and, you know, there's all these people out there that keep saying, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I want to see Malachi or I want to see uh, Papi Giannis or Scal. And I just implore all of those people to – it's painful, but spend an afternoon watching on Facebook Live, which, <laughs> again, looks like claymation. It, it is so bad. The feed is so bad. But watch the Reno Bighorns and tell me where you think that those guys are ready to play today. Even if Malachi is putting up 26 points and hitting a game-winning three, trust me, he, he is not going to get 23 shots with the Sacramento Kings. So there, he's not going to have 26 points. He's not going to be that player for the Kings. So... Look at the guys that they have. Don't worry about the fact that young guys like Ben McLemore or Willie Cauley-Stein. Willie Cauley-Stein has to learn the entire new offense and defensive schemes. Still, he's working on it. He just doesn't. He's just not learning it. He it's, doesn't know it, and he's not getting he's the not playing there. time to, to develop either. But, I mean, he's he's a potential guy that you could send down and have play with these other guys. The one problem that if you do watch Arena Big Horns, I'm just going to be honest with you, Aaron, they don't have a point guard. So... Isaiah Cousins is not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. And Lamar Patterson is not a point guard. He's like a wing. And so they're out there in this like painful thing where you got four or five guys who think that if they have a 35 point night, they're going to the NBA the next day. And it's <laughs> so, so the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> yeah, it's so painful to watch. And it's like, man, you put David Stockton on that team. And all of a sudden, I get to really see what Scal looks like. I get to really see what Papianis looks like. They start getting, you know, I keep hearing people say, well, if you can't go down and dominate. There's never been a, a first-year player who who goes on to be an all-star who doesn't go, who when he goes to the D-League doesn't just dominate and come right back up. It's like, but how is that possible when you're Scal or you're, you're uh, Papianis and you – I mean, it doesn't matter how many times Papianas rolls to the basket, they never hit him at all. So it's tough. Let's do this little exercise here because I'm, I'm sitting here saying that they should be 4-2 and two on this road trip because, I mean, really you're looking at Philly. It, Washington Philly should be wins. Boston, you could call that a loss. You could call New York or Dallas a tough game, but neither team is really playing well, and Dallas has been outright bad and decimated. So if they were to do the 4-2 and two over that trip, that'd put them at 10-12. and 12 just nearing 500, they would probably be in a playoff spot because right now they're just, I believe, a game and a half out of the playoffs. I don't have the standings in front of me. Yeah, they were but, a game and a half, but it looked like last time I checked, the Lakers were, and, were winning. And I don't want to make Kings fans throw up because last time that the, the, the team hit the eight seed, like everybody <laughs> overreacted and it was hilarious and then everything imploded. So I don't want to make Kings fans throw up or get you know any post-traumatic stress syndrome. But if you just look at this schedule here and you do a quick flyby, after the after the road trip ends, you get the same bad Knicks team. You get a Utah team that's tough. You get a Los Angeles team that's both playing over their head and isn't deep. You get a Houston team that's also shallow, that plays no defense, that they can beat. Memphis has multiple injuries. Dallas, again, we already talked about them. Portland has the worst defense in the league. You get Utah, who's good. Minnesota can't play their way out of a paper box. You get Philly, who's known for tanking. You get Portland, who, again, is the worst defense in the league. You get Memphis, who has problems. Denver's at the bottom of the, the West. Miami is running out of players the clippers golden state it starts starts to toughen up again but my point is we can go through january even the nba has turned into a very top heavy league all of a sudden and the kings have talent to where they can win almost any game now and if you keep going into january you're going to find a lot of teams that aren't that scary and so i guess my my thing is to bring it back to this this road trip is if you can get rid of all this noise Surrounding the team of, oh, we got to get rid of DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, Vlade Divox is doing a bad job. You know, all this noise that, that 
kind of detracts and makes the Kings the Kangs. If you can just get rid of that with a four and two stretch and then maybe get up, you know, take that momentum and carry it out through the rest of December. Now you're really talking about the thing that everybody makes fun of the Kings for, which is that they're an eight seed and that they're built to be an eight seed and, and they're never, ever going to get anywhere playing in the middle. You got to either tank mm-hmm. or go home. But when you get respectability and you mentioned it earlier, what if we win 44 games? Which, by the way, the road to 44 is looking a lot better now. What if we win 44 games? <laughs> Maybe you do convince Rudy Gay to stick around. Maybe you don't even want to talk about that right now because maybe Kings fans aren't ready for that. Maybe you do keep Darren Coulson, but maybe you, you, you make Sacramento a place that free agents would consider and agents would consider sending their players to and, and start to scrape away from the, from the toxicity that kind of characterizes the Kings and the way that they're characterized in the media. This is your chance. And it's high time for the Kings to start putting their best foot forward. So I would like to see them, if I had my way, I would like to see them get that rotation in order and get the right guys on the floor, kind of throw caution to the wind. Maybe the system's not ready for them. You know, if it is the system that's, that's saying, hey, I, I like Costa because he stands in the right place and, and he's, we're able to build off that because we can learn the next step in the progression. You know, I don't want to put Darren in the starting line or I don't want to put Garrett in the starting lineup because we haven't really learned it with these guys yet. And if I throw in another variable, you know, maybe that's going to screw it up. Throw caution to the wind. Get your best players on the floor, go four and two, and then look in December. There is a path to above 500 here, and it's actually not that hard to see. And I wouldn't be shocked if they actually were quite a few games over 500, but they got to avoid the implosion that the, the Kings are dip. for. Yep. Yep. They have to avoid the win two, lose four, which yep. I think the nice thing that they did do that this week. They had they were coming off a, a losing streak. They won two. They lost one. They came back and won one. Now it's the Brooklyn Nets. I'm I'm not gonna like throw a parade because they beat a really bad Brooklyn Nets team without even Jeremy Lin. I mean, but at the same time, there's something that Cousins said following the the Nets game. He said, "I don't really know how to explain it. We just go to another level. It's unexplainable." It happened tonight, and we were able to get the game out of reach and seal a victory. He's talking about this ability that this team has to like all of a sudden do this oh-my-gosh moment. I, I think if you look at what Cousins did the other night, what he hit four three-pointers in a two-minute stretch, and I think he had 12 or 14 points in, in the two-minute stretch. It was incredible. You look again uh, against Brooklyn, they – they had the Matt Barnes situation where he got called for a flagrant two, which again, I, I don't agree with. I think it was a flagrant one, but I don't agree with it uh, being a flagrant two. I also don't think that Cousins should have got a flagrant for, I mean, a, a technical for for smacking uh, Scola. But, you know, they gave up a, a 16 to two run or 14 to two run after Barnes got called for the, the flagrant two and was tossed from the game. But then the Kings came back with a 16-0 run in two minutes. It was a two-minute stretch. And it was, I think it was like seven or eight consecutive defensive stops where you're like, holy cow, they just keep they keep coming up with the big play and boxing out and doing the things that you have to do to win games. So I, I think there is a road to success this season. It's just, I think we've touched on it. It's finding the right pieces at the right time sort of the puzzle pieces are there. You're just still trying to jam them into their, their right fit. And I don't know that I, I don't know that I think that Jaeger has found the right fit, but again, he knows his team better than we do. He's around this team. He knows what he sees behind the scenes and what may or may not work. Um, I just think that, that there is a path to success this year where I think in other years, we knew last season that the season was over like 10 games into the year when things were going south and George Carl and DeMarcus were done. And you already knew it was done. You know, the year before when they fire Michael Malone after 20 something games and you know that the season is over like right then. I think this is the first time in a while where you're like, huh, seven and 10. Seven and 10 doesn't sound very good, but when you're a Sacramento Kings fan, I think seven and 10 with the schedule that's right in front of the Kings, 
it doesn't sound that bad either. And I, I actually think that they have an opportunity to get on a roll here and make some noise. And then, you know, again, if you take away the the two overtime losses, one of which they should have never gone to overtime, actually both of which they should have never gone to overtime, Cousins hits the layup and gets the like crazy foul call uh, with Hassan Whiteside in Miami. And then the second game was where Rudy Gay decided to, with like nine and a half seconds, dribble and then take an off-balance three as opposed to driving to the rack against Portland. If you take those two those two games and you just switch them, the Kings were actually nine and eight. And you're like, okay, that doesn't feel bad. And that's what I mean. They're just a miss here, a slip up here away from actually being a plus 500 team. And it's not pie in the sky and at the end of the season we can't go back and just keep cherry picking these games but again these were winnable games that the kings botched and didn't come away with a win and if they did even if they were the team they are today i don't think they would have lost those games there's uh, a long way to go on a number of different levels um, namely with the marcus cousins and but what you see here is when it doesn't disintegrate and when the team is good enough to compete and they come away with these wins and then they, they don't back down and then they find ways to win, all that stuff, learning how to win is a big deal. It is. Cousins needs to clean up probably like five to ten different things that he will clean up when the enormity of losing and the enormity of dysfunction and the enormity of all these other issues, with him, those aren't weighing down on him. He can focus on the finer points of the game. Staying on his feet is the one I would love to see if he could just stay on his feet you know, make that a personal goal. I mean, that would do wonders for everything on his game. And and I think that he would, um, you know, he would start to get more calls from the referees even because um, they're kind of looking for him to lose his feet at this point. So now when the contact comes, which it has, and he has been, he's having that shack issue where he's refereed horribly, but, oh, yeah. you know, he's going to have to deal with that and, and kind of figure out, figure out how to get those calls. But, um, you know, you learn how to win, you learn how to, to, to to do the the little things that the winning teams do, and if that's the stuff, if they start getting into that area, now you're talking about okay, this is actually turning, this is actually working. They're far from that right now, but if they could play 500 ball, they get to they get to then go to that challenge. The challenge right now is just play 500 ball, and I think that they can do that. But a lot, a lot rides on these next five games because the sharks they will be swimming. That's right. That's right. All right. So. Uh, we got to wrap this thing up. We can't stay with you all evening long talking Kings basketball. There's other work to be done. Aaron, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, no. This is two weeks in a row. I haven't had any final thoughts. Last week, it was because of no sleep. This week, it is just general not having anything to say. Wow. I think not having anything to say, people are going to argue with you because I think you had things to say there throughout the entire podcast. Uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> you, I got them all out there. Maybe so. you ran out of things to say, Aaron. All I right. did. I ran out of things to say. So I'm going to say this. Uh, I, I've i talked to Omri Caspi quite a few times over the last two weeks just because things are floating out there and you got to get to the bottom of it and, and things haven't been going well for him. Um, I'm happy for him to that he's had a a good two game stretch and by no stretch of the imagination am I gonna say that all oh, everything's fixed and he's been incredible and that you know this is he's the answer to all the king's problems. But I will say this when he had his first game that he got to play in, which was the Houston game, and I honestly believe that Dave Yeager threw him in because they were absolutely getting destroyed and he had nothing better to lose. And to watch Omri go out there and really actually make a difference was pretty cool. But Following the game, Caspi said something in the locker room that I thought really, really struck a nerve. And he said, it's it's my bad for not for not earning the coach's trust earlier. And that to me was someone who wasn't trying to pass blame, wasn't trying to say, get me out of here now. It was someone who was saying, look, I am at fault in this situation as well. And now it's time that I start building on things and getting better and earning more trust and more minutes. And who knows where this thing goes, but he would still like to be in Sacramento. He would still like to be a member of the Kings. He just doesn't want to sit for six out of, I think it was six out of 12 games he sat, uh, or maybe it was seven. 
in the first 14, he sat and didn't play at all. And as someone who's a free agent and who has all of these other things working against him, you you just start to have anxiety and you're stressing out and you're freaking out because you know how much is riding on this. And I feel that and I get that. And so I, I'm happy for Omri Caspi. He had a, a good a good two days where he actually got to play. And I think he was actually a contributor and he did nice things. I have actually a final thought. Okay, and it's, that was it's, the end of my the, final thought, so go this, ahead. This is, this is real quick here. <clears throat> For all the talk about trades and this is the Nats and, and the guys don't want to be here, they don't want to play with each other or whatever have you, this team needs each other. Rudy Gay needs the Kings because the Kings need Rudy Gay. And the Kings need Omri Caspi. And Omri Caspi needs the Kings. It's really funny. I, I read somewhere that there were 13 different players pulling in different directions – I actually don't think that. I think it's actually 13 guys pulling in the same direction. And I think that's they, they, the th- they just don't know what they're pulling for. I, 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 you're right. It's, 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 I just think that they need each other, and it's an interesting little dynamic that could be created here, again, if they survive this thing you know, in the next you know, five to ten games here, where they could actually end up having a, a, a depiction of a good, um, you know, fun basketball team. Yeah. And I'll say this too, the last the last thing, they're not fighting. There is no like, man, I wish Omri would stop talking to the press or man, I wish this or that. I, I, I All of them that I've talked to, none of them seem to really have anything but good things to say about each other. They're getting along off the court. Um, I continue to hear good things about DeMarcus and his teammates and, you know, him growing up and actually being pleasant to be around. Uh, his teammates are like, this isn't, you know, so many new guys. Most of them are like, I don't really know what the deal was. I, we don't, we're not seeing all this issue. Uh, there hasn't been anything behind the scenes. Usually there are plenty of things behind the scenes that either we know about and can't talk about because we don't have anyone who will go on the record or they just, you know, they bury and do a good job of that. I haven't seen any of that stuff right now. So I think the Kings are actually in a good spot and uh, that's good. So hopefully they can start trudging forward and doing something better than they have done in the previous, I don't know, 10 years where they have a mid playoffs. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. all right. Mm-hmm. So that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast brought to you by Max Muscle. We will be back next week. Uh, we will have another guest. We will have more Kings basketball to talk about. We might even know where whether this team will be 500 or not on this road trip uh but it, it should be an entertaining week of king's basketball so for aaron brewski i am james ham we will see you very soon <laughs>